Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. All right. Are we hot? I believe we're hot. All right, cool. It's not hot here. No, no, it ain't hot here either. Oh, shit, man. I'll tell you, this morning was frigid cold, frigid cold. I think we were 33 degrees this morning in the stand. Oh, damn. We were 37 here, and I was like, I walked outside, got on the porch, and I'm like, oh, this is great. And then I remembered, shit, I've still got nine days before I can hunt. (laughs) It was a heartbreaker. I, I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, it's September 22nd here. And well, it would be the same there, but um, it's <laughs> September twenty second, and it's thirty something degrees, dude. In September, like I, I didn't expect it, and I was gonna break out the broadside, but I hadn't washed the broadside. And one of the things with the broadside is you have to wash it two or three times because it has like that crinkly sound to it. So you have to wash it because it's new fabric. So you have to wash it a couple of times, and I haven't been able to wash it. So this morning I get up and I go outside, and I'm like holy shit is it cold outside hey you wish you had that hoodie on today oh my lord did i (laughs) and uh so i ended up having to wear my packable down and i was still cold man base base layers and packable down and i was still cold oh Um, shit deer didn't really seem to cooperate but uh got some cool footage of some other animals i had an owl come down and whack a mouse right in front of me it was pretty cool i had just missed it it was kind of funny so i'm sitting in my stand and i see this like fucking flash like something had flew like close to ground and i'm like what the hell is that and i look and not like nothing's there um so then i just keep i just keep hunting i'm just sitting in my stand and then i see it comes back like 15 minutes later boom and it whacks right on the ground i'm like the fuck is that i'm like i thought it was a hawk and then its head like turns completely around i'm like no shit i said that's an owl so yeah so i then i turn turn the camera on and it turns its head right back at me and uh i watched it for a little bit of time and it walks off and i just i keep haunting and uh i'm sitting there and the thing is like 20 yards in front of me on a limb so i turn the camera onto it and i start watching it again and then i start squeaking it and its fucking head turns on a dime again. I'm like, this is badass, dude. Like, I've never actually, like, been that close to one and been able to get some type of footage of it. So it was cool to see that. And then fucking the turkeys this morning, bro, they were out of control. <laughs> I, they wouldn't shut up, dude. They are just... They were all over the place, kiki running and everything. I was like, damn, bro, come down here. Because our fall turkey season is open right now. Yeah, I was going to say, does your guys' open the same time as your deer like it does here? Yeah, yep. So it opens on September 15th. It never used to. It actually was used to be October something. Um and then they kind of just turned it up. It's archery only um in September until October then Ar- October you can open up for the firearms. So Nice. Yeah, here it's the same way. It's archery only clear through October and then uh open a week in November for you can roll into shotgun or muzzleloader. That's so cool. It's so nice to have. I mean, I know in years past so uh two years ago yesterday uh i shot a turkey in the same exact spot that i was in today um 
which is pretty badass. Like deer wouldn't cooperate, but the turkeys did, so I let them have it. Hell yeah. Hey, yeah. it's never too early to get a turkey. No. I the season's been kind of crazy though. I'll tell you that is I've hunted pretty hard. Passed a couple of does. Um was waiting for some bucks. Of course, when you're in the big buck areas, right? There's does everywhere. Yep. And then when you go to go on doe patrol, doe doesn't show up. Or they show up, but they're out of range. Right. And uh it's just been it's been a it's been a great season. I it's a success to me anyways. Um some really big bucks have hit the ground. Oh I, man. No, you ain't away. lying. It makes me sick sitting here knowing I can't get in the tree and I'm watching some of these deer hit the ground. I mean, I whether it's a big old fat nanny or a potential state record, it just makes me kind of drool. I'm like, damn it. Yeah, because Kansas kicked off with a potential state record right now. Yeah, open a weekend. Mm-hmm. I know For- we have a ton of friends. And uh, speaking of, um, Mike Salter's really good friend, Dan. Oh, yeah. And- Dan you know, put Dan. a beautiful buck down for his first whitetail, his yeah. first buck, his first deer with a bow, all of that. I mean, just like got the trifecta. So congratulations, Dan, dude. That was a beautiful freaking deer. It was a great deer, man. I, I'm so pumped for him. When they had sent me the pictures, I was like, dude, that's so badass. Like totally. If anybody deserves it, it's him, man. I'll be honest. Like he hunts his ass off. He's very supportive of a lot of hunting you know, hunting groups like us, the outdoor drive, working class bow hunter, um, comes to a ton of seminars, always involved with everything that goes on. Well, he came had, down, He actually said in person while we recorded our first episode. So mm-hmm. he's, he's a true, a true, I'm not right. going to say believer, but he's been behind us from the start. I think is what I want to say. Yeah. So, true I mean, supporter. he's loyal, true supporter. And to turn around and be the first one to draw blood on a beautiful buck, that's huge. I couldn't be happier. I forgot that he was in Harrisburg with us. Yeah, dude. He he managed to make it through all of Harrisburg with us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's that's a trooper in itself. For sure. I'm I'm very proud of him. I think it's fucking awesome. Uh, Dan Smeltz just dropped a really nice deer. Super pumped for him. Earned Uh, that buck tag fucking awesome they're getting back at it tonight yep down there in jersey because in jersey so you have to kill a doe before you can get your buck tag so a lot of the zeus crew a lot of those guys they try and drop as many does as they can right off the rip so they can get a buck i mean big tommy from zeus yep he uh he shot his doe in the morning went back in the afternoon and shot his buck yep So, so big shout out tommy man we're stoked for you you're always on it man always so I'm waiting to see. I mean, a lot of things are unfolding. There's a lot of big bucks hitting the ground. In Connecticut, there was a um, a guy, I don't recall his name, um, but he actually, he got a drop tine in full velvet. I want to say it's around the 140 class. Yeah. Real, real great buck. Um, there's, a, there's a ton of great, great bucks. Um, a good buddy of mine, Casey, he, he's here in Connecticut. He dropped a very nice uh, eight-pointer this year. Probably 110, 120. Uh, great, great buck. And uh, early season coat was absolutely gorgeous. Then he texted me yesterday when I was in the stand. He had a 140 class, full velvet, right in front of him at like 20 yards, but his vitals were covered by a stick and he couldn't get a shot. And that's the second time that he's actually seen him and he's still in velvet and he's running around with another deer. It's like in the 120s. Um, 
which is crazy to still be in velvet. I mean, yeah, this is late in the year for that. Yeah. Uh So it's pretty nutty to see. Um, Last night on the sit that I set, uh, I got, I hunted a 50 acre haylot and um, a good friend of mine set me up in there, uh, got me permission on this place. And uh, I got to sit in there and he was like, yeah, there's going to be a lot of deer that come out. And uh, I didn't believe him. Bro, it was one after another, after another, after yeah, I was, another. I was watching your feed. It's Jesus. Like, they're there. There's no lion. Well, it's funny. Is, so he, he has a ladder stand set up in there. And I was – the thing with him, like, sometimes his stands are a little bit sketchy for me, the old school. So, like – I get it. I like to be in my saddle because I'm just comfortable with it. So, normally what I'll do is I'll climb up his stand – and then I'll set my saddle off the back of it. Right. And he's like, I yeah, mean, they're going to. saves you that climb up the tree. Yeah. Well, I didn't listen. <laughs> and he, because he had told me they were going to come up. They normally hang out in this back corner. So I climbed up, dude. I made this perfect set. I was so pumped for it, too. I'm like, all right, they're going to come in this back corner. This is where I'm going to be. There was a couple of good runs coming out of there. And uh, at first, the farmer was cutting the hay. I'm just watching this old man, dude. He's like 75 years old, all by himself with a cooker wagon. Going up and down the field, up and down the field. Up and down. I'm like, dude, come on. Like, get the fuck out of here. And I was texting a couple of my buddies, and they're like, the tractor ain't going to bother them. If no. they're coming, they're coming. That's, that's almost a call to them. They know dude, there's fresh, dry hay on the field. It was crazy, man. He's, like, sitting in the tractor, and the fucking things are, like, 10 yards from him. I'm yeah. like, you got to be kidding me. Nope. So, that, that's like ringing the dinner bell. Yeah, you start cutting fields or you start running a combine, things like that. You know, if you're in, we'll say a cornfield, that combine, it's going to bump them out and they'll come right back around and pick up all the scraps that combine blows out. It was literally just moving them around the field. Yeah. And at Hayfield, you're just going to cut it. You're knocking it down. And in this case, if it was cutted in wind road, then they're coming in because they know there's hay, there's dry hay sitting in this field. That's, I mean... You don't get any better. What happens when you take a pail of feed near a cow? They're going to come running. Same thing with deer. He was just, he was bailing it up. And then, so he ended up leaving. And, dude, they just started piling and piling in. They come up from behind me and they cut up and around. And I just wish that I was in that double ladder stand above it. Um, The only reason I didn't was it was kind of like out in the open. So I was like, eh, I'll just go like 30, 40 yards to the left. Yeah, that was the dumbest thing I ever did. They just piled right out, right well, by that stand. It's kind of funny. So a lot of the times you kind of question what some of the old timers used to do. You know, I, that place doesn't exactly make sense. It doesn't play the wind, which, playing devil's advocate here, if you'd have been playing the wind and set that stand, those deer may not have come out. They may have busted you and come around to the side you were on. Exactly. So it, it's devil's advocate theory there. but. It's- those old timers don't put those stands there for no reason. And when you go into the woods and you find an old ladder stand somewhere, I was just going to say you that. set up, you set up where the old timers put them old, you know, two by four steps going up the tree because they knew something I didn't. And that's, it's so funny. Is like a lot of the times, especially like on public land scouting, I'll go in there and I'll see like this old stand in the tree and you know, you won't even see it at first. So you'll be up there and you're scouting and you're looking at your topographical maps and you're like, oh, you know, like this is a perfect area. This might be like this saddle or whatever. And you get up there and there's a fucking stand on it. Yep. And you're like, them old timers, man. I just don't get it, dude. 
just every single spot that we pick, there's a stand up there. But they didn't have topographical maps, right? They didn't have none of that stuff that we use today. They no, just man, they were it. boots on ground. They used old-fashioned woodsmanship and found out where the deer were. It may have taken them longer, but guess what? With all the technology we have, we end up in the same damn spot. It's you know, so and that, crazy. It's like that spot down here where we went turkey hunting, where I have my big deer. We didn't really run a lot of cameras on it, but the couple we did, I went to some new spots I had found during spring while we were shed hunting, and I was like, this is an incredible run. I've got a little bit of terrain here, which is almost non-existent on that property, and went in to go retrieve the camera, and we found an old tree seat. Someone had tacked up an old, looks like the sitting seat on a tree stand with no platform, three feet off the ground, tied to a tree, right where I was going. This would be a great place to hang. You know, it's funny is I find those sit seats all the time. Oh yeah. I see them all the time on the edges of like, like, um, like pretty big ridges. You'll find them on like the down trail yep. the, the guys. The old man will have them there all the time. They'll have like a run on the bottom and then the one that like cuts up the side of the ridge and there'll be, there'll be a sitting seat right there. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me, man? Like, yeah, I mean, it's they, just nuts. they had been there long enough to know where the deer were and they set up where they saw the deer. So. I don't know. There's this one spot that we hunt. We call it the Magic Mountain. And um, it's it's kind of funny. Is And that's the spot that I find all these old stands. And, and they're a good buddy. My, the guy that set me up yesterday, um, they're his father's stands. So, like, I'll go into a spot. And last year, uh, when Ethan O'Leary was down with Mark um, and hunted with us, he, he hunted a certain spot, and I had told um, – our good friend Don about it. And he was like, yeah, my father used to hunt on that up there on that Ridge. He goes, that's one of the best hunting spots in this whole entire place. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? And sure than <laughs> shit. Then I would go back there and I hunted up there and probably to date, probably one of my biggest bucks that had walked by me. Um, and I couldn't get a shot was right there. Right. It's nuts. It's crazy to me. It's just, it doesn't even make sense. You got to listen to them old timers, man. And it's funny is they don't play the wind. They don't care. No. Like, it's so weird to me. Like, well, like, here's the thing is you pick a spot where you know there are deer regardless of the wind and you sit it long enough, something's coming through. And that's what they do. They'll be like, oh, you got to go over here. This deer been coming through. And me, I'm, I'm like looking at the wind. I'm looking at everything. And they don't even, like, it doesn't even phase them. They're like, yeah, just go hunt it. Yep. They'll come. I'm like, right, whatever, I'll go there. I don't care because I'm sent free. Those guys aren't as much. Like, I'm obviously more sent free than a lot of other people. Right. So, it's pretty nuts. So, season's been pretty good, man. I've I've seen a lot. And obviously, early season, I mean, it doesn't – I don't know. It's always weird. Like, every year I get into this, like, thing where I don't really shoot a lot of deer until, like, October. I'll haunt my ass off. And I'll get so frustrated. But I really won't (laughs) shoot a deer until, like, the 10th of October. And it's just weird. I don't know. Wild. Weird. But I found one spot, and I'm hoping there's a couple white oaks, and they've been bombing in there. Um, I had gone in there uh, the other morning, and I came in uh, via the river, and I got all set up, and I had a mama and a baby, and then another doe came by me. um, And I was like, where the fuck are they going? The bedding's the other way. They should be coming right at me into the bedding. It was a secondary bedding. They were going back up to the oak tree, and they were bedding on the other side. 
I was like, motherfucker, man. It's just the shit you learn. It's crazy. And, it, and that's an area that I shot my biggest buck in, the one right here. I shot him there. And I didn't realize the bedding was there. And that was the – he come down and then blew the does out. And then here he come right behind him. And I didn't even realize the bedding was there. So, right. Pretty cool. But, yeah, we'll see what happens. Season gets good. Hopefully hunt tomorrow. Um, yeah. Pretty cool. That'll work. Yeah. You ready for hunting season? Dude, I was ready when you guys started. <laughs> I figured I'm just as sitting much. here twiddling my thumbs, hanging <laughs> in the tree and testing gear and packing and repacking and making sure everything's right, just kind of waiting. But like I said, at the end of the day, by the time you get down here, you're like, hey, I screwed up here, here, and here. And I'm like, ah, I won't. I'll remember my battery pack. I'll remember my release. I'll remember my arrows. <laughs> I've had so many of those days, man. I got to... I got the I think it was like the second day of season and I I got to where I was going and my base layers I had taken them out to wash them normally everything goes in my scent crusher bag and it's in my car and I got to where I was going thank god it's only like 20 minutes from my house 15 minutes from my house I had to turn around because my base layers were still in the fucking dryer sucks yep but Less it is what it is yeah yeah we only got to screw up once or twice and you remember it yeah so hopefully just mess around with your shit, man. I can't, I can't stress that enough. I don't get the time in the summer to mess around with all my climbing gear. So the first week of the season is when I learn how to do it all over again. It sucks so bad. It's the worst <laughs> thing ever. Anything you can go wrong will go wrong. It just always happens. But Oh, well. Well, I think, uh, do you think that, you know, maybe I hear something? It's. It's kind of faint. Do me a favor and turn that up, would you? All right. Let me turn that thing up. There. Hey, everyone. Mike here with some news for your crews. We're going to start this one off in Alabama where deer hunters are going to see changes to the deer hunting zones for the 2020 and 2021 season. Uh, this was with the addition of zones D and E in the state. Uh, zone D is in Northwest Alabama and includes areas in Coleman, Franklin, Lawrence, and Winston counties. And Zone E is in Southeast Alabama and includes areas in Barber, Calhoun, Cleburne, and Russell counties. Uh, the addition of Zones D and E uh, is a result of studies which have confirmed that deer in these zones are rutting significantly earlier than most of the state. Uh, because of this, uh, bucks in these zones were shedding their antlers earlier, leading to hunters taking two- and three-year-old shed bucks later in the season uh, when they thought they were actually taking large does. So in order to protect these bucks uh, that are shedding earlier, season dates for these two zones will open and close earlier than the rest of the state. Uh, the hunting season dates remain unchanged for zones A, B, and C, uh, with those general dates being for archery October 15th to February 10th, Muzzleloader and air rifle, November 16th to November 20th. And gun season, November 21st to February 10th. Zones D and E uh, will have archery dates of October 1st through January 27th. Muzzleloader air rifle, uh, November 2nd through November 6th. And the general gun season from November 7th to January 27th. Alabama also has some changes to this year's adult mentored hunt program. Uh, last year, a one-day workshop was added to be eligible for that hunt. Uh, this year, uh, potential participants can take a hunting 101 
or an introduction to deer or turkey uh, workshop to meet the requirement. This was implemented due to a 50% attrition rate of people signing up for the hunt and backing out last minute. Now people can take the one, one of the one-day workshops uh, and determine if they want to participate in the hunt. Now the Hunting 101 workshop um, that is being held covers basic hunting safety uh, and is geared towards small game hunting, whereas the other one is more focused on deer and turkey hunting. Uh, anyone interested can find more info on www.outdooralabama.com slash adult dash mentor dash hunting dash program. So now back here to Connecticut uh, where Delta Waterfowl will be holding their second annual uh, field hunting event uh, on October 4th at Barn Island Wildlife Management Area. This is aimed at new waterfowlers. Uh, it will start at 9 a.m. with a briefing and then participants will explore the marsh and learn uh, how and where to hunt puddle and diver ducks. Uh, participants will also learn about setting decoys, hunter concealment, recommended equipment, water safety, and finding birds. Uh, participants will need to bring waders or hip boots and must register ahead of time. Uh, to register, you can email ctdeltawaterfowl at gmail.com or call 860-442-5963 and ask for Dave. Uh, also in Connecticut, um, the Connecticut Department of Energy and Environmental Protection will now be offering a hunter-focused newsletter. Uh, wildlife staff and other experts will share tips for upcoming hunting seasons, updates about habitat and hunting areas, news from deep NCON police, game recipes, and other information. Uh, this is a free newsletter, uh, and for more information on how to sign up for it, uh, can be found on Deep's hunting and trapping webpage under the hunter highlights newsletter um, as always if you have any news for me uh, hit me up on social media mike salter on facebook or bearded underscore bowhunter 21 on instagram and with that enjoy the rest of your ride there we go news for your crews thanks mike salter we appreciate it buddy hope Nothing you've been getting out there dude i, I know you kind of you couldn't get out there open a day and whatnot but you kept telling us you were going to get out there and we know what your prospects are, so we're looking uh, for big Well, Dan shot you. one. Yeah, yeah, Dan hammered that out. So <laughs> congrats on running that, but now uh, you're due, buddy. So get out there and do your sure. work. Can't wait to see him with one. Well, I guess uh, we should get on with the show here and uh, thank the people that support us. Yeah, man. Can't do it without them, and uh, why don't you go ahead and – run right into it we'll say a few good things about the people who put up with our bullshit and we'll get rolling for sure um while you guys are all listening to this real quick to thank everybody who listens to the podcast just do me one favor and subscribe to the youtube page um if you guys aren't watching this on the uh video cast side um and you're listening to it on the actual podcast app make sure to give us a five-star review if you're on i itunes um and if not um like share and uh, our Facebook social media and Instagram social media also. So I always forget to do that. So, But we are on videocast. We can see each other. Me and Steve are wearing matching hats today, Hi. if you guys didn't know. Just different colors. <laughs> so, it's kind of weird, man. It, it's, I, I know. I'm, I'm going on these tangents. I had to wake up today. And, oh, I know you've been in a stand. You've got those squirrel moments. Squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> um. It's weird being on videocast, man. Like today I had to like trim my beard, dude. I looked so ragged because I've been hunting for a week hard. 
So I gotta like trim everything. It's so weird, but anyways. <laughs> All right, let's thank those people. First off, let's start with Nor'easter Game Calls. Nor'eastergamecalls.com. If you guys haven't been over there and checked them out with the Maple Burl Wood, um, make sure you get over there and check those things out. There still is a couple left. I think there's three left. Uh, you can buy them on the website at nor'eastergamecalls.com. Got some other badass shit on there. Also, the Evo series. If you guys haven't checked those out, um, mine is not down here anymore. I can't even show you them, but uh, it's actually in my bag. If not, oh, I can't move that. That's right. It's got the camera on it. Fuck. I don't know. He's got all kinds of cool shit on there. These are my open open reed howler. That's in uh, the cactus wood right there. What uh, kind of cactus got, is that? Uh, Chicola. Chacola. <laughs> Choya. I don't Choya. There we Choya. go. This is, this is a burl wood, maple burl wood. Uh, this is a crocal. <laughs> so, a bunch of cool shit on there. If you guys haven't checked it out, NorthEastGameCalls.com. Also, Wild Edge Inc., the leader in mobile hunting. If... Uh, you guys haven't seen the stuff that's going on in their social media page. You're missing out hugely. New platform coming down the line here. Uh, little tidbit teasers on that. Um, so that's coming down the line. Also, the Lazy Man Prusik. Steve did one, a DIY one. It ain't uh, near as good as what Drew has, I'll tell you that right now. But it's a, if you're in a pinch and you forgot it, it's, it's a real simple answer. And, and, you know, with the one that Steven did, it works. It definitely is, is a great thing. With the Simple Man one that they do, the longevity, that will last yeah. you forever. Mine will uh, last you a hunt or two, I'll yeah. be honest. And it's, it's uh, with, with the Lazy Man, it's on an 8-millimeter rope there too. So you can get the Kong Ducks. You can get your 8-millimeter ropes. You can get um, your perches that go on to the Wild Edge Steps. There's just a whole slew of stuff. If you guys haven't gone on there, wildedgeinc.com. Check them out. They got a little bit of everything for you when it comes to this whole saddle hunting thing. I know it's a big thing, and everybody's kind of been, um, you know, kind of getting their head it around it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a new thing, and then there's shit all over the place. Um, the people Also, we, we got to give him a big shout-out. So he's already been out for the season. He's already put a buck down and a big buck. buck at that, his target buck at that. And uh, so big shout out, Drew, congratulations. Uh, first kill in the new Wild Edge saddle, which is soon to be released. So I guess there's your proof. As well as uh, Lid, she got a, a doe down. So congrats, Lydia, and well done. Absolutely. So make sure to go over there and check them out at wildedgeinc.com. Also, Wicked and Twisted Bowstrings, wickedandtwistedbowstrings.com. Uh, use promo code Outdoor Drive Ten O D D capitalized on that um, for your custom strings. Get jillified if you haven't already. Boom, that's it. Also, Broadside Camo, BroadsideCamo.com. They are the shit. If you haven't seen it, photorealism um, for your uh, what? What would you call aerial hunter? For your aerial hunter. That's it. Um, they got the the new um, broadside camo ascender sweatshirt. I guess we would hoodie, yeah, which is it's, it's in closer. It's the closer, it's the closer yeah. hoodie, built the same way as the ascender series jacket is. So it's the early season answer to saddle hunting if you need a little extra warmth but not the full weather jacket. And trust me, it's, it's pretty warm. much a replacement for the full weather jacket. That thing is nice, fleece lined got the the bridge loops everything you need to pass through it and it's comfortable i'm not gonna lie 
fact, it's it's sitting right in that pile somewhere. So check it's it out. Badass shit. If you guys haven't seen it, I'd have to relate um, the Ascender series probably, and I say it all the time with a lot of people, and you know, Drew will back me on this. It's it's the quality of Sitka gear um, as far as warmth and durability. We'll see. I'm going to put it through a test. If it can last me and Steven for a season, then uh, <laughs> it's fucking worth its weight. It's going to get worked. For sure. Um, also, D&M Custom Arrows. D&M Custom Arrows. DMArrows.com. If you guys haven't checked them out yet, uh, Custom Arrows. Um, everything you possibly can need. Um, colors. You name it. From traditional to crossbows. So, check them out. He's got a little bit of everything over there, all hand-turned, hand-made. Um, he's fucking busy, so go stack them up. Out on the limb, out on the limb, MFG.com, the leader in everything. Guys? I, I, I think the easiest way to put it would be like the leader in saddle hunting accessories. Yeah. Your platforms, man. I've been running the, um, the podium. How do you like it? badass. Dude, it's compared, so compared to what you did last year, I think you were running the Ridge Runner last year. What do you think about it compared to the podium? So, I, no, I didn't have the Ridge Runner. I was running a perch last year. Oh, okay, okay. I, I did a perch, and then I did a ring of steps. Uh, I did a ton of ring of steps. I would just carry three steps with me. And I love it, man. The ring of steps, so I haunted it. I use them for more or less the ring of steps. I use those for presets. Um, and then the, the podium is now like my backpack thing. Um that when I'm mobile and everything now having, you know, the Shakar sticks from out on the limb and it just makes everything light. So you can get a lot farther and do a lot more with them. Nice. Uh, There's just, it's comfortable, man. It locks in. Uh, it, it doesn't move. It's, it's very stationary. So I like them a lot, man. So go and check them out out on the limb, MFG.com. And also your, um, all of your camera arms, 360 camera arms, the uh, reach, all of them. They're all on there. If you guys are looking to get into filming, they are their platforms. Um, he's got the cigar sticks, as I said. So go and check them out. Out on the limb, mfg.com. Also, um, Bowfishing Magazine. If you guys haven't subscribed over there, go and check them out. Bowfishingmagazine.com. It's a little bit of everything when it comes to bow fishing. Uh, it's a great virtual online magazine. Uh, does a little bit of everything. Kind of a bunch of companies. I know a lot of you guys are into bow fishing or want to get into it. So good place to check it out. Also, Rack Rage dot com um they are the apair superstore uh they got a badass elk shirt that just came out for those that haven't seen it um it's some good stuff for him and her uh rackrage.com so check them the fuck out go and support the people that support all of us and make this all happen um if you guys have any questions about any of them please feel free to reach out hell yeah well done dude no stumbles no no you're like you're in deer slept, season. Bro. You're focused. Yeah. <laughs> you tried to, man. Tried to. I got good sleep today, bro. I fucking been burning at both ends between fishing and hunting. And I came home from hunting today and me and Ruby laid down and that was the end of it. <laughs> I slept for like five hours in nice. the middle of the day. So Yeah, it's that catch up as you get back into the grind God. early season. That's one thing I'm not looking forward to, but it's so worth it. So It is. Hell yeah. Hopefully we can well, load up the kayak and get back at it tomorrow. So Nice. Well, you want to talk about focus. Uh, today's guest is definitely focused. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy this because 
he hunts a hot spot in the country in a way that most people don't think of. And I'll tell you firsthand, just holding the racks off of last year's success was insane. And I mean, not just one, he pulled off a double and got some incredible bone on the ground in a way that, it, like I said, when you think of the where he's from, that's not what you think of for hunting. So what do you say, Trevor? You want to bring him on and let him tell the stories? Yeah, I think that's, that's a good idea. All right, dude, let's do it. Let's give us some Midwest, Midwest love. This is probably the first time in history that a dude's done a live podcast from a saddle. Let's be honest. That's the truth, man. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Can you guys hear me? All right. No wind noise or anything with this microphone. Nah, dude, you're clear. You're beautiful. You're in a fucking tree. I mean, you're ugly. (laughs) This is a, so a little backstory on this. So it's an old, just regular $30 (laughs) tree stand seat. You know, I just saw it off the bottom there. Yep. Ratchet, ratchet strapped it to the tree. And then my buddy, Chris Daniels, um, part of the urban herd Facebook group, um, sent me this old H2 saddle. So that's what I'm hanging in. This is actually my only third hunt out of a saddle. So nice. You like it, man. Is it comfortable? The tree that I'm in, um, it's kind of a shitty tree. It's the only tree. So I don't know if you guys heard or not. Um, Iowa got hit with an inland hurricane this past summer, a couple months yep. ago. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, look at some of these trees. <laughs> look, look, at, look, look at my back cover. Dude, the bedding's underneath you. Yeah, like literally. like I lost every single tree stand that was on this property. Um, just torn to shreds because those trees just got bent straight over and snapped. Uh, I have two tree stands, you know, just regular four-piece climbing sticks that um, actually the metal snapped because they bent so far over. It's It was insane, you know, 140-mile-per-hour-plus winds come through, you know, flatland Iowa, and it just wow. devastated everything. That's crazy, man. Well, why don't we do this, dude? We've kind of jumped into this kind of crazily, but uh, I guess <laughs> I if that's it. even a word. But, uh, I love it. So we're back on the phone with Zach. Zach is actually in a saddle here in Iowa, so why don't we turn this key, man? Let's get this underway. Tell everybody who the fuck you are, where you're from, man, and what are you doing? <laughs> well, uh, my name is Zach Jacoby. I'm 22. I live in Cedar Rapids. Oh, I'm from Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I live in Springville, Iowa now, which is just east of Cedar Rapids. Um, you know, just I'm really nobody. Uh, just met you guys at a working class bow hunter shoot in 2019, I believe. Trev, you yeah. shot. You, you hit doors through like the quarter size hole at some god awful range and want a trail camera. I got lucky. Um, yeah. Um, 
yeah, man, I'm just, I'm bred to hunt deer, I guess. My whole family's hunted deer their entire lives. I mean, I've been hunting deer now for 12 years. So since I was 10 and 10 years into bow hunting, actually, my first deer that I ever shot with a bow was about, it scored a total of like uh, maybe 13 inches. Just nice. two big old spikes off the top of its head, you know. Hey, it's was, bigger than a button, though. Exactly. I, you know, I was, <laughs> I was 11 years old and uh, in a tree stand by myself and saw this spike come in. I was like, you know what, I'm shooting it 25 yards, watched them run and fall over. And then 10 years later, you know, last season, I'm sure you guys know. Um, oh, yeah. I had the season of a lifetime. Yeah, we got to hold some of that in Iowa. Yeah, you guys, yep, at the Iowa Deer Classic, yep. Ran into you guys, and you <sighs> guys are just – your jaws hit the floor <laughs> it's a whole different breed of 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 whitetails out there man it's it's cool to talk to somebody who's you know just been in it their entire life so why don't you explain to us kind of like obviously you went into it but you have a whole entire your, your entire family that's all they do hunt so that's where you started obviously yep so my when i was growing up you know around 10 years old um my dad it was his first year bow hunting when i was 10 and i only muzzleloader hunted during youth season but he grew up, um, you know, the typical Iowa old family shotgun hunting group, right? You got 20 plus guys going out there doing all these big deer drives. You know, you'd go there in the shop after a weekend of shotgun hunting and you'd walk into the shop and there'd be 30 deer hanging there, a bunch of big bucks, you know, does, a little bit of everything. And then it wasn't till I was 10 years old, like I said, my uncle actually leased a property um, not too far from here. It was about 340 acres um and they mainly shotgun hunted it but he leased it out to get everybody all the other shotgun hunters out of there um because he wanted to start bow hunting so you know when i started muzzleloader hunting that was where i killed my first doe um that's where i killed my first buck that's where i killed my first turkey all that um so when i was 10 we had some neighbor guys over one night they were helping my dad learn to shoot a bow i was 10 years old and the neighbor kid comes over and he's got this you know little cheap walmart you know, 10 pound bow that you just fling arrows and you can't aim it. You just fling arrows. Basically. He's like, here you go. I'm not using it anymore. You can use this. So that whole year, um, I just picked up that bow every night, you know, slinging targets off our 20 foot deck down to an old Glen Deer buck target at 25 yards, just, you know, having fun, not shooting just bullshit all day. Um, and then that's that winter, um, on my birthday, it's my birthday is in December, December 17th, um, right before Christmas. So, you know, I get two big, you know, Christmas present opening birthdays, all that kind of stuff. Um, so my dad is like, Oh, there's one more present. It was supposed to be your Christmas present, but I can't wait any longer. So he walks back to his bedroom and he pulls out this cardboard box. I'm like, Oh, what could this be? Right. I'm opening up and it was a brand new Hoyt Banshee. It was like the youth like the flagship youth bow of the year. Yep. And I was so ecstatic. I mean, basically we picked up, went to the local archery shop, got it all set up and got it half a dozen arrows, you know, get back home. And by the time it was first time ever shooting a compound bow. So, you know, I lost a couple arrows and then in Iowa in December. So there's a couple inches of snow on the ground. <laughs> Later that spring, we went out there with metal detector and found them. But yeah, I mean, basically just that one neighbor kid that one day came over with that bow that basically what started everything for me you know just this journey that I've been on you know 10 years from the first day that 10 years from the 
year that I killed my first buck, you know, I shot 163 inch uh, stud Iowa buck, you know, private land, um, just permission. Um, and then I do the special city hunt, which actually I'm in a tree right now in our urban zone because our regular deer season isn't open. Um, and the same buck that I'm chasing, I've been chasing for three years in this city property. And the day before I shot my second buck of last year, um, I was driving home from, I was actually scooping the loop. Basically what I call is I just drive around the section that I can deer hunt here. Um, just seeing, you know, what I can see, see if there's any bucks bedded up with some does. And it's literally two minutes from work for me. So I drove up here, the first parking lot that I pulled into, I was turning my truck around and my headlights hit this doe bedded down. I was like, oh, sweet. I'm going to turn around and see if there ain't a buck with her. Well, sure as shit, the buck that I was chasing was standing over five yards away from her, just standing over top of her. And it was in the city hunt, you can't shoot from the ground. So they want a downward trajectory of your arrow. Yep. So you have to be at least five feet in the air. And I knew I couldn't do anything to get this buck. He's out in a big open grass field. There's no trees anywhere because after the wind damage, basically lost all my trees that I could hang in, but every other tree, you know, is baseball size around. Um, so I'm standing there, I'm sitting there in my truck watching this, you know, I'll, I'll say it's a 300 inch deer because there's not very many pictures of this deer rolling around on uh, social media nowadays. Um, I'm standing there watching this deer and for like an hour and a half and he, he's just locked onto this doe. It's October 30th. Shot my first buck on October 28th that last year. So October 30th, I you know, was driving around, spotted him. I was like, all right, he's with the doe. He's pretty locked onto her. He's probably going to be here for a couple more days with her. Next morning, I come back in. I grab a, a old lock-on hang tree stand, you know, clunky, heavy, loud. <laughs> and it's we had fresh blanket of snow on the ground. It probably had six or seven inches or so. And I found this one tree that I could get into. I was like, you know what? If he's with this doe, I'm between where he was yesterday and where the thickest bedding is. It's usually during the rut. That's where the bucks and does go. They go to the thickest bedding, the most secluded area. So I uh, came in here that morning, hung a tree stand. I'm just sitting there. Check my phone. All right, it's shooting hours. And, you know, it's hazy overcast. So there's no sun starting to peak yet, but there's a blanket of snow on the ground. So you can see everything for a mile. And I'm sitting there, look at my phone. Yep, it's shooting time. I stand up just to get ready so I'm not making a bunch of movement. You know, if a deer comes in, I turn around and I see this big silhouette of a big body deer. I'm like, man, that's a nice deer. And then all of a sudden he turns his head and I can just see antlers just turn. I'm like, oh, that's a big deer. And it's still just within shooting hours. I mean, literally two minutes into shooting hours. And this deer is standing at 30 yards and he's walking straight to go downwind to me. I'm like, shit, shit, shit. This is a big deer. And I was gung ho about this other deer that I was chasing, but this deer right here is bigger and he's, he's a lot bigger. <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? If this deer gives me a chance, I'm going to shoot him. And he kind of gets to like my off wind. He's not quite downwind yet. And he stops, does a little lift of the nose, like he smells something, 
and turns around and comes to the only gap that I have to shoot on that side of the tree at 30 yards and stops. And it was on my weak side of the tree because I didn't think I'd be shooting on that side, right? So right-handed, I got my camera arm on the right side of the tree. This deer's on the right side of the tree. My, my camera arm's in the way. There's no filming light. This is a really big deer. It'd be the biggest deer in my life. So I'm literally, I shouldn't have done this. I unhooked my safety harness, got down on my knees on the platform, wrapped my legs around the base of the tree, and basically got underneath my camera arm and was like leaning out with my legs wrapped around the tree at full draw on this bucket 30 yards. And I'm like, settle the pin, settle the pin. And poof, I just see my lighted knock disappear right behind this deer, deer's shoulder. And I'm like, oh my God, I just killed him, right? Takes off running 30 yards, nothing, quiet. I'm listening, listening, listening for a crash, but you know, there's six, seven inches of snow on the ground. You're not going to hear a deer crash with that much. It's like a cushion, basically. <laughs> so I'm like freaking out. You know, <laughs> two days before I killed a 163-inch deer, I just killed, if not the same size, if not even a bigger deer. And I'm like freaking out. And I called my mom. You know, she's not used, because in Iowa, you only get one resident tag. But since I'm hunting the city property, I can get an incentive buck tag. So I have to shoot five does every year to qualify for a buck tag for the next year. And then that year rolls around before I can even buy my buck tag. I have to shoot my first doe. I'm going to get back to that later. So luckily enough in Iowa, I got two tags without being a landowner just because of the special city hunt I do. So I call my mom. I said, mom, I just shot a giant. And she's like, are you kidding me? Like you just shot one three days ago, two days ago or whatever. <laughs> I was like, I'm not even kidding. He's big. He's not the deer that I've been chasing but he's big. She's like, all right. So I make a couple other phone calls and I get down and there's a YouTube video on my YouTube channel. Um, so if anybody doesn't really know who I am, um, I'm on Instagram and a little bit on Facebook, um, just my private profile and then YouTube as well. Um, I used to have a brand called 319 Outdoors. Um, and I just transitioned everything over to, um, Zach Jacoby Hunt, basically. I haven't done the YouTube channel yet, so if you want to check that out, uh, it's 319 Outdoors. You can see that those videos for those two deer I killed last year. And you have a TikTok. <laughs> I have a TikTok, but I kind of laid off TikTok, you know, Chinese selling your dad and all that kind of stuff. Smart man. <laughs> so I'm sit I get down off the tree, you know, it's still, it just quit snowing, so my camera's soaked. I'm like shaking off my camera so I can start filming this recovery. Well, after I shot the deer, we got another two inches of snow. So I walk over to the place of the shot and I could see where he was walking. And right where he stopped, I didn't know this at the time I shot him, right where he stopped is where I walked in. So he crossed my path and that's what made him stop right there in that opening. Thank the Lord, right? <laughs> um, so I get to that spot and like I saw this arrow disappear right behind his shoulder. I'm going to start following just his tracks because I can't see any blood. And I'm just walking, 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 glassing up in front of me, you know, but we got two inches of snow on the ground. I get within 15 yards of this deer and I'm sitting there with my binoculars for like five minutes, just scanning. I put him back down. I look up again. I'm like, wait, what? I'm like, oh no. I'm looking again. I'm like, what? I look again. I'm like, holy shit, there he is. 
he's 15 yards from me and he's covered in snow. So I'm walking up to this deer and the body of this deer just keeps growing and growing and growing and growing. I'm like, Holy shit. He's big body, you know, big body deer that looks big with antlers. That's a pretty big deer. I'm thinking like, I just killed a 200 inch deer here. Well, I get up to him and I pick up his rack. I'm like, well, he's not 200 inches, but he's a damn good fucking deer. I mean, I, I was, it's my biggest deer by far. He scored 172 and three eighths. Oh, I believe. is that all? That's it. <laughs> that, that's it. That's it. Jeez. <laughs> so People complaining because he ain't 200 inches. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, if I kill I 200 wish I had, inch, I, I wish I had your problems. Inch, no shit. If I, if I kill the 200 inch deer, you know, I'm hanging up the bow for three years because I ain't going to top that. You know, right. last year was good. It's going to be hard know. to tap last year. Well, on this, this buck that I'm hunting this year, you know, I've, I've had three years with history with him and man, I saw him three times already this season and man, is he just big. I mean, Trev, I don't know the last time I sent you a picture of him, but he's big. He's a big boy. You got he's a couple a of them down there. So did you shoot both of your deer last year in the city limits? Or? No. Nope. So one of them was my statewide Iowa tag. Um, that was the first one I shot. And then the second one I shot was here in the city. So why don't you explain to everybody kind of what this whole city hunt is? Um, so basically there's city in Iowa. Cause last time I was there, there's, yeah, there's not like, a hill. You, everything's um, sitting on the like roof this, of the corn silo. <laughs> yeah. What, what do so you mean city? I, I, I used to live in and I work in the second biggest city in Iowa. So Des Moines, obviously our capital's biggest city and Cedar Rapids is our second biggest. Um, it's still Iowa. So literally I'm in the middle of the city right now. And I don't know if you guys can see this. That's a cornfield. In the middle of the city. Is that a in the middle of, uh no, these are actually railroad tracks. Oh, okay. Yep. So this is Don't actually, give it away too much, dude. Oh. <laughs> so many people know about this spot. I can't believe I even got permission here, but I did. Really? Um, I, I just called the guy one day out of the blue and it's like, Hey, um, you know, I'm so and so. I do the city hunt here in Cedar Rapids, wondering if um you'd be willing to let me hunt your property here in Cedar Rapids. He's like Hell yeah, man, get after it. And he, he's just like asking me personal questions like, where do you work? You know, who are you kind of just so he gets to know me. And I was like, you know, I work at Van Meter. Um, it's an electrical supply distribution company. He's like, oh, yeah, I know Van Meter. I know the CEO pretty well. He's like, if I called her and asked her if you're a good guy, is she going she gonna to back that up? And I said, well, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, lucky me, I, I landed myself the total property – it's about 75 acres. It's a commercial property, but there's only about 10 acres of timber. Um, I can flip you around here. So you can kind of see the timber runs along here and just kind of stops on the backside of those trees over there. And it's only about maybe 150 yards wide. It's only about 10 acres, but it holds deer. Um, you got corn off to your west. You get tall grass bedding out to your west on the north side of the corn. You got another small patch of timber. It's about three acres. And then you got my two, my 10 acres with two ponds. So you got food, bedding, 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 water, all in one little location. Right. So these deer, they, they live here. That's a perfect small parcel Disney. Oh, it's, and you know, I've always been that guy in Iowa, you know, like, man, I want to hunt the big, 900 acre property like bill winky or the juries or lakoski or something like that you know i want to manage deer i want to grow these big 250 inch deer every year well 
it's not realistic. Nowadays, land in Iowa, especially recreational land, hunting land, is outrageously expensive. Um, my house, if I sold my house, I'd be able to buy like five acres in Southern Iowa. It's just <laughs> ridiculously expensive. I believe you know, you're, you're paying thirteen to sixteen thousand dollars for prime hunting location in Southern Iowa. It's it's like farm ground pricing. It's ridiculous. So I grew up, I hunted that 340 acres, not too far from here. Um, we lost that. Then I moved into a smaller 80 acre property. Still have permission there. That's where I killed my city buck or my statewide buck last year. And then in high school, I didn't really want to drive far um, from home to hunt. So I was picking up these two, five, 10, 20 acre properties all over the place. And I'm going in there and doing the first couple hunts and I'm seeing these giant deer on these small properties. Like there's something to these small properties, right? A buck when he's not in the rut is going to hide in one location when he's pressured. Where would I go if I was a buck and I was pressured during the early season, early part of the season, I'd go to a small five acre property that no one sets foot on all year round. Right. Mm -hmm it like clicked to me and I'm like, holy shit, there's these five, 10, 15, 20 acre properties all over Iowa, especially the area that I'm in pretty flat where I'm at. Um, until you get a little bit West of here, it starts to get some more Hills. You get like 10 foot increases. <laughs> yeah. Those ain't hills. So like I'm, <laughs> I'm 15 feet up in a tree right now and I can see like four miles. It's just flat as can be. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm hunting these small properties and I'm going in there and basically every sit I'm seeing deer. And if I'm not seeing deer, it's because, you know, I press, put too much pressure on them and they move somewhere else. They move to the next five acres over on the neighboring property. But basically every sit I go in, you know, I'm seeing deer or I'm seeing a good deer, you know, 130, 140 inch deer, like a deer that I would shoot any day of the week. I'm from Iowa. I will shoot 130 inch deer. Sure? <laughs> it's just how it goes. Not in city. Okay. <laughs> See? Got Not in the city. Uh-huh. So I mean, what, is it, what does it take to get onto the city permit? Like, like what, do you have to do something special or so, is it just you have to get the – I know you have to shoot the does and this and that, but like yep. to be part gotcha. of this program. So basically the city in Cedar Rapids, um, you have to have bow hunters education done. So that's different than like your normal hunter safety. It's basically the same thing, just bow hunting. You have to have that done. And then you fill out this application, basically name, address, phone number, email, all this kind of stuff. They don't ask for your social security number, which I'm surprised. Um, but then after that, you have to go do a proficiency test. You have to shoot five arrows at 20 yards, the size of like a paper plate. Easy. Oh, tough. And then you go to an orientation class and listen to the rules and regulations. And as long as you've done the application right, you have a property with a permission slip to hunt. You have to have a permission slip on you at all times. I've got, that's my tag. See, that's honest right there. He's I've got show us the tag. Show us the permission. So you can legit. see it says Cedar Rapids, permit number four. I'm legit. Um, nice. So basically they just give you all that stuff and you go buy your tags. Um, you know, the first year I hunted, which was three years ago, um, 
I wasn't able to shoot a buck because, you know, it was my first year. I had to shoot my first five does. Um, so I'm looking around all Cedar Rapids, trying to find these properties to hunt. And, man, it's, it's, it's hard. And it wasn't until about midway through the season that I actually got permission on this place. And I had never scouted it before. I've never drove over here, seen what deer are here. I just know, hey, there's woods here. There's corn. There's bedding. There's got to be deer here, right? Like, I'll give it a try. So I come in here. On the south side of the property, I can actually see the tree that I was hanging in. I hung a stand real quick. Got up in the tree, sitting there, sitting there, sitting there. And then like 5.30 hit. And it was like all of a sudden, the woods just came alive. Doe here, doe here, doe here, small buck, big buck, small buck, ball, just does everywhere. So I'm sitting here. I got five doe tags in my pocket. And I'm like, screw this. Flink, flink, flink. Shoot three does first night on this property. Hell yeah. That was easy. Easy. You know, after you shoot three deer in one location, it's probably going to be burnout for a couple of days. But I came back the next night anyways. Didn't see nothing. It's getting about hour left. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to make the move. I'm going to take this tree stand down with an hour left of shooting light. I'm going to move it to the north end of the property. So I walk through the entire timber. Like, if there's anything in that timber, it's gone now. I walk through the timber, get up into a tree. And I'm like, man, this just doesn't feel right. Wind's really not right. I'm just going to get down and go back to the truck. I'll leave the stand here, come hunt it tomorrow. I get back to the truck. I drive around to the north side of the property. And there's kind of these alfalfa fields on the north side. And I get out there and there is like 150 deer littered in this field. And I'm sitting there on my phone taking videos of this because I can't believe it. Like I'm in the city and there's 150 deer sitting right here. And that just came out of this 10 acre property. Jesus. And that is when I laid eyes on this deer that I'm hunting for the very first time. You know, he was a three-year-old buck. Um, pretty impressive. He's probably uh, 130s, 140s. You know, I was like, man, if I had a buck tag, I'd shoot that deer right now. See him a couple more times that season. And he kind of just... Well, he's in the city, so we should. It was out of my mind because you know I couldn't shoot him out. There he is. So I, oh, did you lose me? Uh, you cut out Real for quick, a second, fast. but you're good. Oh, you said okay. it was one one thirties, one forties. You'd shoot him if you had a buck tag. Was the last thing. Yep. So the next year came around, and I'm like, finally, I can. I got my buck tag. I just need to find a deer to hunt. I need to focus on that. I need to get my doe, and I need to find this buck to shoot. So I start early June. And I come out here one day after work and a couple does here. And then I see these two, you know, real short stubby antler deer. I'm like, man, that one's pretty big body. So I keep coming back, coming back every night for about a month and a half. And this deer finally blows up into this 150, 160 inch four-year-old or no, he been five. He was four the first year I saw him. He was five last year. He's 140, 150 inch five-year-old deer i'm like pretty nice deer he's got character right he's got this you know like turkey foot off the back of his g2 on this other side g2 he's got this like four or five inch flyer just really framey deer beams come all the way around good tines i'm like it's good deer so that's what i set my eyes on he was like my heart instantly we like connected and i was like that's the deer i want to kill fast forward to the season had a couple encounters with him and 
then, like I said, he um, saw him that night before I shot my big 170, and after that, he disappeared. I came, I came back in here shooting does. You know, hopefully, maybe I'll see him. Know that he's still alive, not in the area. Didn't get killed by another hunter. Never saw him again. October 30th at 5:30 in the morning is the last time I saw that deer. Until this year, on June 16th, came out here one day after work on June 16th. I was just doing my yearly scouting, trying to find a buck to kill. I was thinking that this deer that I was chasing the last two years is dead. Got to find something else. I'm pulling up here, watching these two does, and then a buck steps out. Comes up over the top of the hill. And I'm like, yeah, that's a good deer. Still, you can't really tell. It's still, they're still pretty nubby, just getting their main beams out. I'm like, man, that's a good deer. So I take a couple pictures to my phone scope. I'm looking at this deer real closely, and I'm like, man, this deer looks familiar. Like, completely out of my head, like, not even thinking that it's the same deer. I'm thinking he's dead, right? Long gone. I was told that actually he was hit by a train. Um, they found his dead head along the side of the tracks. I never saw pictures, but I just believed that. Um, so I'm sitting there, and I go to work that night, and I'm like, I'm looking at this picture, and I'm like, you know what? I take a side-by-side -side picture. I go to it. I download an app and I take last year picture of this deer, this year picture of this deer, and I line them up, and I'm like, no fucking way! It's the de it's that deer. It's he's alive. And then from there on out, it was like the adrenaline started kicking in. I like every time I thought I'm just thinking about the deer 24 seven, right? Like this is the deer that I want. It's the deer of my dreams. It's just he's got character. He's big. It's it's just like. He's not the biggest deer I know of in the city, but I can't hunt where those big deer are, um, unfortunately. He's the biggest one here, but man, it's just that connection that I have to him that it, it's going to be a sad day if and when I kill this deer. Hopefully tonight. We'll see. Um, <laughs> that would be pretty cool. So. That would be pretty cool. That would um, be badass. Yeah, I'd just be like, hold on, guys. I got to put you in my pocket real quick. Bat. I start, I start <laughs> freaking out but <laughs> you know how cool that'd be, be. <laughs> so, so like this, when you're when you're hunting the the urban areas is your like techniques a little bit different like do you care about the scent as much do you care like obviously like me being in a tree stand right now i would not be on a podcast hey <laughs> well, i wouldn't be moving C, i wouldn't be talking so i'm 120 yards from this where this deer steps out back behind me back here is a very loud business. I'll say that because I don't want to give away my position. Gotcha. There's trains coming up and down these tracks all day. Dudes coming here, changing which tracks the trains go on. The deer are used to people and hearing people, but as soon as you break that 100-yard gap, they're gone. So, hmm. yes, I'm right now my wind is blowing straight back over my back cover away from where this deer usually comes from. You know, he could mill around anywhere that's in front of me all night long, and he won't get a scent of my uh, whiff of my scent. You know, as soon as he comes to the base of my tree, he's well, he's dead in the first place, but he'll he'll <laughs> finally get me then. So yes, I'm using scent crusher, showering every scent free shower every day I come out. I'm basically these deer are smart. A lot of people think urban deer are dumb. And yes, I agree. There are some deer that you can basically hand feed in the city. 
where I'm hunting, that's not the case. I have walked in with deer 50, in the dark with deer 50 yards away from me and was basically walking towards them to get to my stand and they kept that 50 yard distance between me the entire time. So these deer aren't stupid. They know they're being hunted. You know, just two days ago, I, or three days ago, I shot two does. Like, where'd Bessie and Betsy go, right? They, they know something's up. Uh, actually, last night, I, I rushed a shot. It was my first shot ever out, of, ever out of a saddle. Never even practiced shot out of a saddle. And I shot right over the top of a doe, unfortunately. Um, Better so these deer know... This, it was a clean, yeah, it was a clean miss straight over the back, you know, 24 yards. And I, I don't know what I did. Um, just pulled the shot. I guess I should have checked my sight. Um, probably fling an arrow. Um, but these deer are, these deer know they're hunted. They're not stupid. They're very smart. They're actually probably smarter than any other deer that I've hunted. And that makes it hard because a deer sees you walk in and climb up a tree, guess what? You ain't seeing shit that night. But basically, with all this these this tree cover after this big inland hurricane hit us, um, these deer have to come to the edge of the timber to even see out here. So I feel confident enough to sit here in the saddle and talk to you guys for for no, now. No, absolutely. And, and I was just I was just touching on it because, like, you know, obviously I know that urban hunting's a little bit different. We have a ton of urban hunting here, and it's mm -hmm. you still have to use you know, your entrances and your exits and so oh, on yeah. and so forth. But I mean, there's oh, a lot yeah. more shit that you can kind of get away with and you know what you can and can't get away with while you're doing it. So that kind of, there's mixed feelings for me, I guess. I mean, like I wouldn't have shot that buck, that 170 inch buck last year, if it wasn't for him hitting my trail walking in. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, deer have personalities and every personality is different. So the deer that I'm hunting now could have hit my track and left for four weeks and ran three miles down the other way and never showed back up. But that deer just had that personality where he said, kind of got a whiff of something in the air. I'm going to turn around, go back to where I came from. He took a different trail and hit my track and he stopped. By that time I was already full draw, baby. I was ready to go. So he was, he wasn't getting away from me, but um, these, these deer. Yeah. They, I religiously, I am, Set free. I'm watching my access. I sometimes there's times that I've walked half a mile in the city just to get to a stand that you know it could have been a 50 yard walk through the timber. But why would I walk through the timber when that's what I want to hunt? I'm going to take the half mile route around just to get here. Right. You know, you know, in the city you don't have blocks of timber that big or properties that big where you could walk a half mile on the same property. So I actually had to get permission from those properties that I had to walk through. It's like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. I don't want to deer hunt your property. I just want to walk through it to get to my stand. They're like, yeah, go ahead. So uh, that's just, you know, I don't know if you guys saw this or not. You see my platform over there with my blind on top of it. I've yep. seen it. Yep. So basically the timber that I'm sitting in now, my truck's parked up over here. I walk all the way around down along through here and down just not on the railroad property because you know it's illegal so i walk with the grass edge around and then i'll slip into my blind but when i'm doing that the railroad guys wear high-vis vests they don't wear camo 
guess what I do when I sit in that blind? I wear blue jeans and a high-vis high vest. Makes sense. There's deer you seeing guys in blue jeans and high-vis vests walk along this railroad. It'd be it'd stick out like a sore thumb if a dude in camo with a bow went walking up here, right, and got into this blind over here. It's just the little things like that that you have to be careful of. And if you're trying to hunt big deer like this, any deer really, you just you just have to find those little things that put you a step ahead. You know what I mean? Nobody like, nobody messes with you in the urban areas like anti hunters or anything well, crazy like that. So this loud business back behind me, I actually called him earlier this year and s see if I could park on his property because you know it'd be a short walk versus you know walking a couple hundred yards. Um, and he was like, no, I don't want you on my property. I don't like bow hunters. We love deer. We feed them all year round. Well, I told him, I said, well, sir, you're actually in the wrong here because you're not supposed to feed deer in the city. That's just, that's against the law here. <laughs> Got and him. he hung up on me. He hung up on me. So I was like, you know what, whatever. I'll just deal with walking a couple extra hundred yards. It's, and, it's, it's, go ahead. It, it's illegal to, to bait deer, obviously. Well, they're feeding them, so. If yeah, anything so, was ever to come up, it would obviously be on them. Yeah, so from he kind of told me where they're feeding them at. So where I'm sitting now is the closest I can get to that and still be legal. Nice. Because you have to be, I believe it's, don't, don't take me, don't write, don't put me on account for this, but I believe it's 500 yards. Oh, from where, where there's a baiting site. Yes, but... You can't hunt over bait in Iowa. It's illegal. And in order to hunt over a site that has been baited before, you know, just corn, no mineral, you can't hunt over that. Um, it has to be out, I think, 30, day, 30 days prior to hunting. So by the time you're done feeding and you actually go to hunt that area, any pattern that you created of those deer coming to feed there is long gone, right? Oh, yeah. That food's gone. They forgot about it five days after it was gone, they're not going to keep using that same pattern, which was kind of what my plan was with that platform in my blind. I was feeding corn there all summer, getting pictures, planted turnips. That's going to be good this late season. Got a scrape tree there. Sat there six nights in a row. Not a single deer walked within range of that blind. Oh, wow. I lied. The sec within comfortable range. Um, <laughs> gotcha. If I'm so the second night that I saw this deer this year, sorry, the first night that I saw this deer this year, the deer that I'm hunting, he did exactly what I'm set up for now. And he came within 63 yards of that blind broadside wow. calm as can be, but I hadn't shot my first doe yet. So, so you I'm sitting there, you have to shoot your first doe before you can shoot a buck. Correct. Before I can even buy my buck tag, they right. won't even let me buy it until I shot that first doe, just basically they want, it's a deer management zone. So they yeah. want to reduce the population of deer in the city, which every year that we do this hunt, they say it reduces deer to collision, deer to car collision accidents by 14% every single year. And I, I can kind of believe the numbers because within three years of hunting on this property, I've shot 13 does off this property. Wow. 13 does and a buck. So 14 deer off of 10 acres, that's a lot of deer. Yeah. And there's still a lot more to go. 
<laughs> that's incredible. And so that's that's kind of like so our urban hunting going back on like antis and so on and so forth. So our urban hunting here is a little bit different. Um, we don't really hunt in the cities. We're hunting more in suburbia, like suburban yeah. areas. Yeah. yeah, it's like yuppie ass houses. Yeah, your yeah. urban is just pretty much in the country too, up in the mountainside. I mean, you can only get houses so close together in the yeah. hills. <laughs> that's so, so yeah, the business back behind me is actually they've got a house on top of the hill. You drive down a couple hundred yards. There's their business area. Um, a lot of dogs barking constantly in that place <laughs> that kind of gives you a hint a little bit of what the business is um but yeah i mean back here there's another set of railroad tracks on the other side of that tree, tree line there's houses there's businesses 200 yards from me right here there's a construction company um headquarters right back there's there's a lot of noise these deer are used to it it's mm -hmm. like I'm not afraid to come in here and slam my car door when I've come to hunt, right? Because they're used to that. But as soon as they see me in their zone where I'm not supposed to be, they're gone. Forget it. Right. Yep. Yep. We so, shed hunt a lot of areas like that, and you can see that the deer. They're, I mean, they're semi used to people being in there, but they like they, like you're saying they just they, they, they keep they keep that barrier. They keep that buffer. Yeah, they keep that buffer zone between you and them, like their their comfort space, like. You're okay kind of being here. We're not really that excited about it. We're just going to keep our distance. Mm -hmm. And it's some of the funniest stuff, you know, when I come in here shed hunting and I'm sneaking through here because I know there's deer in here and I just want to get as close as I can to see if there's any bucks still holding. It was last year where there was kind of this big down log and I'm just sneaking up. There was no snow on the ground. So I'm just sneaking up real wet outside, real quiet. And I get up to this log and I just go to step over it and like, it looked like the ground exploded out from underneath me. There's a doe and two fawns bedded on the other side of that log, like that I basically just stepped on and man, they, it was like torpedoes just flying through that timber. They got the hell out of there. They're like, uh, uh. Do you so, find a lot of sheds in those urban areas? I found, um, four. But also, I battle trespassers a lot. Really? Yeah. That was I my had, next question. I had 13 different guys last year on trail camera coming in here shed hunting. And I actually got in touch with the landowner and said, hey, this is what's going on. I don't – I'm not that worried about the sheds. Like, it's – they're just sheds. I know what deer are here because I'm getting them on camera. It just – it's that, like, it'd be nice to hold them, right? It'd be nice to have that deer sheds that I'm chasing, like – he had a better rack last year, just more character. This year he's born massive and he kind of cleaned himself up a little bit. Um, you got a good haircut. Yeah. <laughs> and man, he looks good too. I'm going to have to send you the video from the first night I saw him, man. He's just, he's a toad. No doubt. Um, he, he had, you think that those guys found those sheds though? Yeah. I've, there was two years ago, the first year that I shed hunted here, I, I actually followed, was following some boot tracks in just seeing where they were walking and I could see the imprint, like the imprints of the sheds on the ground where they went and picked them up. Ugh. So I'm like, shit. Like there was one, it was that two years ago, I found a big impression of a shed. And I was like, man, like it was, it was like Dana Pace big. <laughs> you, gotcha. If you guys know who Dana Pace is, oh, yeah. Yeah. it was Dana Pace big. I mean, it's Iowa big. So corn fed. 
Jeez. Corn fed and cornbread. That's awesome. Yep. <laughs> so we Steven, got all kinds Steven, of I, jokes. Yeah, I got a bone to pick with you, man. We talked at the working class bow hunter shoot this year. We were talking about elk hunting, you know. I told Trev this, but I, I went out to Colorado elk hunting for two weeks, and what the fuck, man. <laughs> I just listened to you guys' last podcast, and good luck to him because when we were there, man, it was fucking rough. Oh, yeah, we were dude. there. I remember in that episode you guys were talking about the snowstorm that hit. Uh, we were on the mountain when that hit. <laughs> How was it yeah. out there, man? Did you, man, did you hear that bugles? was a rough you... time to be on that mountain. And no bugles, saw no elk, saw sign from elk right after the first snow. Um, we were hunting around 11,000, 10, five around in there. Yep. Um, once that snow hits, they go to those the elk, those elk went straight down. Yep. And guess what happened right after that snowstorm happened? Those loaders came yep. in. Boom, boom. First boom. morning. First morning, we heard five shots. Um, <laughs> and after that, the next two days, we didn't hear a single shot. We're like, what the fuck? So we, we kind of did big loops, um, just basically hitting everything. We went from 8,000 to 11,000 in a day, just trying to find where these elk are at in the elevation, right? And after that, we had a, that first big snowstorm, and then we had another day. The day after, we got a little bit more snow about six inches or so. Um, and after that second snow, there's just no fresh tracks anywhere. Nope. Um, it, they, they just disappeared, really. Oh, yeah. It's like they climbed up a tree and are just watching you walk through there, basically. As soon as that snow comes, they are going down below the tree lines to the fields, getting the hell out of it. Yep, so we, uh, we packed up camp. Actually, before even that, I was out there for five, five days by myself. Um, I left mode. I went out for five days by myself, uh, drove on, got off of work cause I work third shift. So basically after I get out of the tree tonight, I'll go to work, work till seven o'clock in the morning and go home and sleep and get up and do it again. So, nice. um, I went out there for five days by myself, drove all night, uh, well, all night, which is day for me. Right. Um, I get drove that. all day, got to Denver at 4 PM, bought my tag at Walmart, drove four and a half hours to a new trip to a trailhead i've never been to it was at 12 6 um i slept outside in a tent um it was 26 degrees when i got out of my truck it was cold yep um got up did a couple days hunting third day i was there i went to a new area i didn't find any elk sign in the first area went to a new area it's like there's got to be elk here i just have to get up this trail called hell's roaring <laughs> should have known that yep. I went, I climbed 3000 feet in elevation within two miles. Oh yeah. It was rough, man. Like a flatlander like me carrying a 65 pound pack with a bow camera gear, four or five days worth of food. You know, you got four liters of water with you. Cause I'm getting dehydrated as hell. Cause I think I was <laughs> South of Carbondale. Colorado. Yep. I know where you're talking. Yep. Just right there within, I think it's 43 unit 43. Yeah. Um, and man, it was two and a half miles to hell's roaring trail that went straight the fuck up. And I'm like, looking there, I'm sitting there. I sat there for like half an hour, just looking up. I'm like, do I really want to do this? I was like, man, I got four more days. I got to do it. So I get up, I get about 
five miles in total and I'm still not even anywhere flat. Um, I slept outside of my tent. I didn't even set my tent up. I got my sleeping bag. There was two trees on the downhill side of me, one down by my, in the, like my knee area, one by my shoulder. And I literally just slept up against this tree in my sleeping bag when it was 30 degrees outside. Um, get up that morning, hike another two miles in, um, going over some blowdown and I rolled my ankle. Oh. Seven and a half miles from the truck. I rolled my ankle uh, with no one around to help. Right. Uh, it's, I'm like, I sat there for an hour and contemplated, what do I do? I've got four days worth of food. I can stay up here, let it rest, or I can get down to the truck and assess the damage from there, right? Like, it was bad. I used my trekking poles, my carbon fiber trekking poles as crutches for seven and a half miles downhill. So what took me four hours to climb up took me 10 hours to get down Yep. because I couldn't walk. Yeah. You're inching along. I literally, that literally inch by inch, like I'm not a crier, but man, my ankle hurt so bad. My shoulders were on fire. I was dehydrated. I was sleep deprived. I was tired. I was crying. Like I didn't think I would make it back to the truck. It was bad. There's nobody right. here. It's after Labor Day. It's the middle of the week. Who knows when somebody's going to be back up here, right? And 10 hours later, I made it back down to the truck. And my foot was the size of like a cantaloupe because it was just so swollen. And I'm like, man, what do I do? Like, I call it quits. You know, I'm two days into my hunt, I just spent $680 and all the money for all the gear, the food, just to get out here. The travel, and yep. Two days in, you know, I'm like contemplating whether to go home because I just bust my shit, basically. Well, and I, I try to tell everyone that though it's probably one of the funnest and most exciting hunts you can be on, one, it really amps up when there's interaction and you hear the bugles mm -hmm. and things like that. But an elk hunt is probably one of the hardest hunts you'll do, especially solo in the backcountry. Oh, man. And it was... Those, those two days though, like by myself out there, just in the mountains, you know, nobody around it's, it it's, does something to you. Then. Yeah. It's nothing like I've ever experienced before, you know, being seven and a half miles from the truck and rolling my ankle with nobody around to help. Like that's survival at that point. That's crazy. Like, man. You're surviving at that point. Oh yeah. You're about to be mountain, like, mountain lion food. So and the, you don't no even shit, know it. it. No shit. I would talk to a lady on the way in that said, be careful up there. There was a mountain lion spotted up there about a week ago. And I'm like, so I'm sleeping outside of my tent with my 45 <laughs> next to me, just hoping not to get eaten by a mountain lion in the middle of the night. Right. Well, Fuck. Here's, the, here's the other thing that you got to think about those. You see what it was like hauling yourself out with a rolled ankle. Now yeah. imagine packing out 180 to 200 pounds of meat plus 150 to 200 pounds of hide and horn yeah i'm there on your own that would that would have sucked so that's why i tell yeah, everyone I, I, it's, it sounds fun but it yeah. it's you got to be prepared it, it is not an easy task it's, it's no not joke. for the faint of heart it really isn't i mean like you know born you watching born and raised guys out there doing it like they kill elk everywhere they go right you're like we're gonna get in here bulls are gonna be bugling everywhere we're gonna kill our elk in three days now nah, it's that's not the case. Like no. if you're thinking of going out West, 
and you're watching anything on YouTube of these guys getting into bowls and bu- they're bu- bugling everywhere. Don't believe that shit. Like it happens. They're also paying 10 grand for a guide and people they're, to help pack. They're, they know people in the area. What they're doing is they're saying, Hey, we're coming here. Find our elk. Here's your money. Yep. Thank you. We're going to go kill them now. That's, that's, oh, yeah. I've heard as, as much as I like the born and raised guys, I don't want to throw any shade. No, at I, them I'm with anything. you. I enjoy them. They're good people. But that, that's what they do. That they're sending other people from these states that they're not from out scouting elk. They're saying, here's the elk, go get them. Yeah. That's, and that's just, that's what they're doing. That more or less that that's unfortunately that's how it is. I will say yep. you can spot a guided hunt from a do-it-yourself hunt strictly oh. based on if there is a scene in the film where you see somebody with a pack and they're stumbling and they're falling over themselves and they're sweating and they're panning and they can't breathe, that's when you know this was do-it-yourself and they're packing the shit out on yep. their own, learning how hard it is. That, that was me seven and a half miles from the truck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Would if- you do it again? In a heartbeat. I mean, I'll probably I, – I don't know if I'll be going next year. I got a kid on the way, so uh, – Oh, congrats. Congratulations, man. Yeah, we found out our little firecracker we found out on July 4th, so <laughs> due in March. Nice. So it'll be oh, exciting. Congrats, man. That's awesome. So, oh, we, we got some friends here. I don't know if you guys can see them or not. You see them? Probably not. What no, is it? not there's like, I, we see spots, but yeah, there's uh, eight turkeys. Oh, that, that's that's one thing I would really love to hunt in the city is turkeys because man, they're everywhere. Oh, really? Yeah. Everywhere. I I'm surprised there's only eight right here. There's usually like fifty. Nice. There's no, there's there's no coyotes. Like there is, but there's not. So these yeah, the turkeys they just low. they thrive. Jeez. So they badass, just, man! It's everywhere. Just, it's a totally different world of like the urban hunting compared to like, you know, what you see of Iowa statewide hunting. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Um, I love hunting, you know, just out, out in the country. Um, it's, it's just relaxing cause you don't Here have trains train. honking. Yeah. You don't have trains honking in the background. Um, <laughs> well you do, it's just a lot farther away. And you can just enjoy your time in the woods, but here you're like, I can see cars going up and down a highway right now. There's trains behind me. I can see buildings. It's urban hunting is a different experience. And I think everybody should try it because if just anything urban are. hunting, yeah, just not, not on my property. You can go <laughs> somewhere else. Yeah. Don't leave my deer alone. I put a lot of time and effort into these deer. I don't need someone else shooting them. Um, you got enough problems with shed hunters. Yeah. But it's just like urban hunting. Um, man, it teaches you a lot. It really does. Um, people, a lot of people think, Oh, you just climb up into someone's tree in their backyard or in their playhouse and shoot some deer. No, it's, you can do that. But where I'm hunting, it's, it's not like that. You, I learn new stuff every single year. I learn new stuff every single year anyway. It's just hunting, but urban hunting it's a different breed of hunting it really is i mean these deer are smarter um there's a lot more of them but when they're smarter they're like ghosts 
I mean, oh yeah, I've sat, I've sat. This is my third time sitting in this tree waiting for Big Boy to walk out of this corner, and he's ghosted me last two nights. Granted, tonight it is eighty-four. It is eighty-four degrees. So eighty-four. It's eighty-four right now. Yeah. If you combine where me and Trevor together right now, you won't get (laughs) eighty-four. I wish it was. I wish it was that cool. Man, there'd be deer everywhere right now if it was that cool. But you know. When it's 84 degrees right now, it's they steer aren't going to move till, you know, sun's about to go behind some trees over here in about an hour and a half, and I'll probably start seeing some deer. Have you, have like you that. seen them on camera in the past couple of days? I So I have one camera on this property to sell camera, um, and I just haven't moved it. It's literally on my platform for my blind. Oh, right. Yep. Um, and he was using it frequently when I had 300 pounds of corn sitting there since the corn's gone, <laughs> I haven't had any pictures of him on it, but you know, this is my eighth hunt in the city and I've seen him three out of the eight times. So odds are pretty well stacked. If he's betting in this timber, I'm going to see him. Um, I just the last, the last three nights he hasn't been. So it's just getting on him when he's betting in here. I kind of, we've I've kind of got him narrowed down to a certain like wind pattern first night I saw him was the northeast second night I saw him which were back-to-back days was the northeast didn't see him the next night saw him the next night and it was a southeast so it's like that transition period between a northeast like during in a northeast wind he's here Right now we kind of have a straight south, so I'm just kind of can't kill him sitting at home. And I got some doe t- tags in my pocket, so if the doe I walks past, that. I'm popping her. Hell yeah! But, but you know, it's I'm 20, 30 yards from where he's walked two times this year already. Why not, you know, spend a couple hours sitting in a tree, just enjoying it, swinging from a saddle? And if he shows up, he shows up. Hell yeah, and, man! And he'll, he'll if he shows up and he does what he did those two nights, man, he's He's down. dead. He's dead. Beautiful. I hope he does. I really, truly do, man. I, I, I'm hoping that we get the, the text that he's down and out. So, well, I hope it's tonight, and then we just jump right back on here and do a finishing up podcast. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. yeah we'll, we'll just, finish we'll just cut it there, and then we'll add, add to it for tomorrow. Like, you tell you just, us what happened. Guys, yeah, it just basically just an hour after we get done with this podcast, I text you guys, you're like, holy shit, guys, he's dead. Dude, but, if that happens, you better call us. Yeah, oh, sure. I will. I'll get out of bed even oh, though. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> it'll, it'll only be like 8.30. What are you be doing in bed then? Talk about oh, the, the most It'll be epic. 9.30 here, bub. Yeah. That well, would no, be it'll the be most nine, epic it'll be, ending well, to a show ever. Sunset that's at 7 here, so 7.30 is end of shooting line. So it'll be 8.30 if you guys All get right. call. I'll be, just, I'll be just getting ready for bed so I can go hunting in the morning because our yeah. season's open here, so – Bite me. Yeah, I'm getting a train coming past here, so I don't know if it's if you guys will hear that or not. We're good. Nope, can't hear it. Oh. So my question, man, we ask everybody this is what drives you outdoors? Man, just there's something about sending an arrow through the side of a deer that it's just it's science it sounds like I'm a psychopath when I say that, but it's like there's <laughs> there's nothing else like it really. I mean, I just family aspect of it getting my wife out and doing it you know this year she probably won't be being pregnant and all um you're probably really going to hear the train now 
It's actually not too bad. Oh, really? It's it's like right here. Oh, no shit. <laughs> literally. It's, it's, it's literally right here. Yeah. It, it's muffled sure it down a little, but it's done a real good job canceling that out. Yeah, he'll, he'll get past here in a second. It's crazy. It's so nutty. <laughs> Gotta love it, man. That is so wild, dude. <laughs> I just think it's just so cool, man, that you're in a saddle. And and it. and you're on a podcast all at the same time, bro. I think that's that's a first, and I think that's that's an only. Yeah. You know, and I I thought about that last night at work, and I was like, man, I really don't want to miss a day of hunt and do this podcast. I can probably get out there after we do it. And I said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna get in the saddle early, and I'm gonna go talk to these guys while I'm sitting in the saddle. It's probably the first and only time it'll be done. Yeah, dude, I love it. It's, it's I think epic. It's the greatest thing. And to have it all on so, video with that. Shit. Oh man, that's just that's it's it doesn't get any better. Like, no, it's on point. Come on, man. Um, what would really cap this off is I had a doe come walking past right now, and I could actually kill something on the podcast. No, like that would be that would be a really a truly <laughs> one and only right there. That would it's be epic. The cake. <laughs> that would be a, a world's first. I do. Say, I, I dare say. Oh yeah, uh, I'm sure. I'm not sure that it's ever been done. You know, someone sitting in the saddle. Hold on, Deer take hunting. a break, guys. On the podcast. Flap. Yeah. <laughs> like, hold on, guys. I'll set you on my camera arm real quick and shoot this doe. You know, if we stay on here any any longer, you know, we might have a chance to see Big Boy pop out. You guys will be here for the live shooting of 300-inch deer. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> oh, that'd, be some, that'd be some shit. Boone and Crockett and Pope and Young wouldn't take – wouldn't take the score, you know, just because it was taken on live video or something like that bullshit. Right. <laughs> They'd find. Well, did you get? Did you guys see that? Now they're not accepting any deer that are basically been on any cell cameras. So basically, if you like, if I shot the new world record deer out of my blind right here that has my cell camera on it, it wouldn't be able to be officially scored or put into the books by Boone and Crockett or Pope and Young just because of that cell camera picture. So I actually did a lot of digging and research on that. Cause I was like, okay, there's gotta be stipulations. So the trick is if it's on instant, so it mm -hmm. takes the picture and sends it to you instantly, then no, it can't be scored. So but if, if it's but no, no, no trail cameras or no cellular trail cameras are instant, instant though. No. Well, like, that's what I mean is if you have it set on the factory setting, that's instant. So it trans okay. instantly then it doesn't count. But gotcha. if you have it set to transmit one, two, or three times a day at preset times, then it's okay. So I could have it set at, you know, 6.30 when the deer really start moving. <laughs> I have a deer walk past at 6.28, and I get that live info that, oh, wait, yeah, he's like right there two minutes yeah. ago. He should be yep. going right down. But the That's... camera's not set on instant. It's, it's built and focused around. Yeah, so it's, it's meant so you're not sitting at home on your couch and you get a picture that this deer just walked past this way, and I know he walks past that and goes here, and I can go yeah. cut him off and shoot him. Yeah. That's all it's for. So. There's – I think that's kind of stupid in my opinion. I mean, like, there's wild animals. Like, they're going to do whatever they want. as No matter what we think they're going to do because they did it before, they're not probably going to do it again. Right. So yeah, it's just like – 
that's why we've had some pretty deep and wild conversations about the whole subject. And, uh, and just like, I mean, you go back and you look at so many different things, you know, range finders to begin with up through today. Now we're at cell cameras. You know, when yeah. it starts, you can't use a range finder. And then all of a sudden it's, you can use a range finder. And then it's, you can't use night vision on hogs. And now it's okay to use night vision on hogs because no one cares, you know, things like yeah. that. It's going to be the next phase. They'll say no now. And in three years I'll go, oh, I guess it really doesn't matter. Well, it's as yeah. simple as like exactly. traditional bows. You get only traditional bows or Pope and Young. Now it's com compounds. And right. Yeah. Next they're going to add the crossbows to the mix, you know? So, I mean, it's just going with the technology and the phases of life, obviously, yeah. you know, they got to well, What's your guys' opinion on the uh, like those Garmin uh, range finding dot sites, like where you basically point your bow at the deer and it pulls up a dot on your site and says, "Aim here." Like, so, what's your guys' opinion on that? We actually we got to play with one at the WCB shoot this year back in okay. Kurt's house, and uh, had a guy there that was shooting it. Got his input, watched him shoot it, watched him play with it, and. Honestly, there's no difference from that and having a rangefinder and setting your yeah. at exact yardage. The only okay. cuts out. You literally have to like. Yeah, it cuts out two minutes of effort. And okay. and honestly, so you hit it, and it may if it's not clear in front of it, it's actually not gonna. It's not actually going to. Yeah, I could see some big problems with those. Yeah. So, so all you did. do is you double click it, and then it puts up your regular pins. So oh. then you have to shoot it regular also. Yeah. So there's a, there's, I get it. Like, yeah. All right. Yeah. We can do a train now. Yeah. I'll put it this way. I wouldn't spend the $1,200 on a site for it personally. No, man. It was cool. H all you got to have do is have a vinyl harness with a range finder and shoot an HHA and you're good. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is, you know, if you can do it the original way, that's easy. If that's Wait, the way you no, want to do that, it, great. But I see so many failures, and he even brought it up. He had issues, had to send it back in and have it replaced because it had issues. Yeah. Uh, I. That's cool if you can afford to throw that kind of tech into your bow, but it's just not for me. And and I think, yeah. honestly, I got, a, I got a buddy that shoots it, and he – I mean, he likes it, but, I mean, like, the whole thing, like, here, everything is all, like, trees everywhere. You know what I'm saying? I think for mm -hmm. the Western hunter, I think it's a great thing. Yeah. For the, you know, for some of the hunting on, you know, that we do, no it's way. Viable. It's not worth it. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, especially up here where I'm at, if you're over 40 yards, you're probably not seeing it. Yeah. So. Well, if I was hunting in the timber tonight, like, I would not be doing a podcast because it's like you got 10 yards with how small the trees are in this timber that I hunt. I mean, base like a good sized tree in this timber is like, like that big round. And if I can get <laughs> so into like that tree, I will. If I can get into that tree, I will. But I mean, you're sitting there and you're shaking the whole tree, just moving around. Like the smallest movement shakes that tree around. But then even then, all the trees are smaller than that. So you're like up atop, up above the canopy, and you have like these little holes to shoot through. And by the time you see the deer, they're like ten yards. Right. No. I've missed I've missed opportunities at does because I was hunting inside the timber and I just didn't have time to range them and shoot them basically or get a camera on them because they're moving so fast. Mm -hmm. Get it. Well, Zach, yeah, I so. think man, you should probably get back to hunting. 
Yeah, probably. They're coming right back into that prime time. So oh, what, what the time is it? I don't know. 520, yeah. We're getting there. It's getting there. So why don't you just tell everyone, man, one last time, man, where they can find you. Uh, Instagram, uh, hunt, I believe. Um, or Zach Jacoby. It's Zach Jacoby Hunt. You'll find it. Just type it in. You'll find it. Um, my YouTube really – I'm really going to start kicking off YouTube again this year. Uh, we're kind of just doing it for fun the last couple of years. Um, but really, I'm going to try to dive in deep because I'm tired of working a four tens at a regular job. And I kind of just – I want to get to that point, you know, where I can pack up and leave for six months and go home on elk and mule deer and antelope and whitetail and just travel the country and do that. So that's, that's going to be my goals the next couple of years to try to get to that point. And, um, so if you want to, um, if I haven't changed it by the time this airs, is this going to air tonight? Yeah, we'll next have it out. So. Uh, we'll have the audio out probably tonight. Okay. So It'll yeah, probably be out. I'll, I'll, I'll try to get the YouTube stuff changed over to Zach Jacoby hunt or is this Zach Jacoby or something? If not, I'll leave it for like a month, another month. I'll keep it at 319 Outdoors. So if anybody wants to go check out YouTube videos that I've done or stay in touch with the new stuff that I'm doing, go subscribe to 319 Outdoors. It'll change over to Zach Jacoby Hunt or Zach Jacoby at some point. It's just I'm not there yet. I got I got footage in the on the hard drive ready to go from Colorado. And the first couple of days here, I'm just really waiting to get a real storyline going. So I feel you, man. Well, Zach – it's been an honor and a pleasure to have yeah. our first live podcast. <laughs> Give you guys a good style. shot here. <laughs> there you oh, go. Yeah. yeah. Love it. <laughs> so Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on, you know, and we'll definitely have to do it again if I get, you know, a shot at Big Boy here soon in the next couple of days. we got a big cold front pushing in this weekend, so well, fingers yeah. crossed we get that northeast wind and he does, he does what he has been in. Man, hopefully by Sunday night, Monday, he's dead. Hopefully tonight he's dead, but we'll see. 84 degrees isn't good chances, so. Well, you pull it off tonight. You call us back up, and we'll jump back on, and we'll uh, finish this Absolutely. thing out with the uh, the recovery. Absolutely. I, I look forward to doing it tonight because, you know what, I'm going to try my damnedest to get that beer on the ground. I like it. Okay. I don't know if you heard that or not. Yep the trains just keep coming like they pull forward and they back up and all the cars slam against each other and <laughs> there went again. <laughs> I love it. Urban hunting at its finest. Uh, yeah, man, you gotta love it. So. All right, brother. Well, thanks again for joining us and uh, everybody please reach out, give Zach a, a like, follow, share, and subscribe. And uh, hopefully we'll be back on here soon with a, a big buck to show. And in the meantime, we can't thank you enough for listening, for watching, and thank you guys for taking the ride right here on the Outdoor Drive.